welcome to Live Free Church. We're a church that's passionate about reaching people at all costs. Here you can find all our recent sermons. We are so glad that you joined us today. We want people to live free lives ultimately found in Jesus because we believe that free people, free people. Welcome to Live Free Church. I'm so glad you're with us. Um, we want to plant a church, start a church in Kelowna that's all about people who are marginalized, who are burned out on religion, people who um, are exhausted of moralism, of all the rules of Christianity. I don't know about you, but I think when I look at Christianity today, I want to get right to what it's all about, and it's Jesus. And we, as Live Free Church, we want to make Jesus known in Kelowna. We are passionate about seeing people find their true identities in Christ, in Christ alone. So thanks for joining us today. We would, we would love for you to join us in our movement. Um, you just, for a quick moment, you just actually like share this video or create a watch party on Facebook. If you're watching on YouTube, click the subscribe button or the little bell and be notified when we go, go live next time. Um, I want to kind of talk briefly about um, how Jesus wants to change our mind, our will, and our heart. Um, we're looking at this letter that Peter, an apostle of Jesus, which really means that he was an eyewitness to Jesus. He actually saw Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection. He actually was an eyewitness to this, this event that happened that changed human history. And so that's why we look at Peter's letter. They wrote to people who were roughly in modern-day Turkey in about 64 AD. And so we would love for you to just open your Bibles or look on the screen and we're going to kind of go bit by bit through um, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 to 21. Here's what it says here in verse 13. It says, Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you with the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, first of all, we spend time in verse 13 where it says, therefore, because you prepare your minds for action, but this whole therefore piece is like talking about everything that's happened up to this moment in this passage. So if you actually want to go back and listen to week one, two, three, and four of our sermon series on 1 Peter, go back and listen to all the therefores, because it's like, therefore, because of the living hope we find in Jesus Christ, because of the fact that God foreloved you before you were ever created, that God loves you and he's passionate about knowing who you are, that you were um, set apart, sanctified by the Spirit, that you were actually purchased by the blood of Jesus. I think those are the things that Peter is referring to, the therefores um, that we kind of get to here. We talk about this whole idea of instead of being, being self-controlled, in some translation it says this, it talks about being sober-minded in verse 13. It says, be ready for action, be sober-minded, say your hope complete in the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, it says, be sober-minded. I think people who are a holy person, someone who actually loves Jesus, has to be self-controlled in the sense that, that nothing foreign is entering into their mind. It means that someone's completely alert and in touch with reality and not under the influence of particular ideologies or particular fantasies, particular conspiracy theories. I think the, the challenge today is that we're living in a time where the, in church history, and right now in 2020, where I think we're sometimes, as Christians, if you come to a church, we're classified as mindless. Like we're anti-intellectual, we're anti-technological, we're anti-education, we're, we're, we're anti-mind. I think sometimes when people look at Christianity, there's such an emotionalism attached to it that they say, just leave your, your faith in the parking lot or leave your mind in the parking lot and enter in and just be consumed emotionally. But what happens when that emotion wears out? 
You see, I think deeply what Peter's trying to talk about is how can we actually capture people's intellect? How can we capture their minds? You know, if we can't engage people's minds today, I think we're going to lose a whole generation. That we're going to lose a whole generation of people if we can't engage their minds. Like the faith actually has to make sense. It has to actually make sense. And for me, when I remember I was in grade 10 and I, and I met Christians for the very first time and I was like, what does this mean to actually have a faith and to believe in, in Jesus? And for me, all it meant was understanding, not the whole Bible, is understanding that there's an event that the Bible, the central event of the whole Bible is Jesus. Like I get my mind around that. That makes sense to me. That there's a person who lived and he died, but he didn't stay dead. He actually rose again. And that's a, a, that's a reality that Peter was marked by. He denied Jesus three times and he would have been, that memory would have been burned into his brain of, you know, how he forsake, was how he actually was actually against Jesus in those moments. But a lot of times people say that, that God doesn't care about your mind, but he actually cares so much about what you think, about how you, how you formulate things in your brain. So what you think about changes not just your will, but changes your heart. This theologian, this apologist, Ravi Zacharias, says this great quote. He passed away this past week. If you want to go and, and think about your faith in a, in a real way and actually challenge your mind, go and read any one of Rabbi's works. Or go on YouTube and watch some of his content. It's pretty remarkable, incredible, his debates um, with atheists. But here's what Ravi, Ravi Zacharias says here. He says, what I believe in my heart must make sense in my mind. Like, whatever you believe has to make sense. I think sometimes our faith actually doesn't make any sense at all. Like, I've been to churches where it doesn't make any sense. The way we're talking about things. A lot of times we'll say things like people, just believe, just have faith, but have faith in what? Rabbi is saying here is, it has to make sense what you truly believe. See, faith has to start in your mind. It has to make sense. And if you want a faith, right now you're sitting at home and you actually want to believe in something, I'm not asking you to believe in the whole Bible. I'm not actually asking you to believe in all these events. I'm actually asking you to believe in one event, and that's Jesus. That he lived and he died and he rose again. That, to me, makes sense. When you look at the whole, like when the whole Bible, the New Testament was compiled, not because these people thought it'd be great to compile letters and, and eyewitness accounts of Jesus. They actually compiled it because Jesus is exactly who he said he was. We have the whole New Testament. We have the whole Old Testament also compiled because Gentiles saw that there was an event, Jesus' life, his death and his resurrection, that changed human history. And that makes sense to me. You think about the fact that we're living in a time where I think people, when you get into conversations with people about their faith or life, how they live their lives, like the things they think about, I think a lot of times in a classroom setting or... Um, in a dialogue over beers, people will say things like, well, I don't know if I, f- I feel like that's the right answer. Like, I think we, we live in a culture where we don't actually know a lot of things are for certain. We actually just feel like things are true or not. They resonate with us because we've, we've built these ideologies on Instagram or Facebook or, or different sources that we've actually built our ideas from, but we're actually not thinking about why we think the way we think. You know, there's 
You think about people who have addictions or people who um, are alcoholics or drug addicts and they, and they go and say they go to, go to rehab for 90 days um, and they come back and they're, they're sober, right? They're clean. And when they, they say that when they come back into their house that maybe they did drugs in, the same relationships, the same triggers, like it produces the same endorphins in your brain even though you're not on drugs anymore because guess what happens? Your mind's, in, your mind's actually in that same moment that you, you were before. It's like the same muscle memory in your brain. You see, think about all people, any habit that's formed, right? it starts with a cue. It starts in your brain and says, well, you know what, actually, I would love to go um, and buy some clothes. And the habit's like, okay, that's just the cue. The cue is just saying, I want to go and do something. I'm thinking about the way I look. I actually need more clothes. Why am I wearing so much black up here? I'm going to actually go and, go and buy something else. The habit is, actually, you know what? Before pandemic, I used to go to Winners a lot because it's cheap. That's the habit. The reward is when I walk out of that store with bags full of clothes. You see, I think what, what we're trying to, Peter's trying to say here is that God cares deeply about what you think. He cares deeply about the cue in your brain where when you're thinking through information of why do you think what you think? You know, about being transformed when Paul's talking about renewing of your mind. Holding thoughts captive. See, he cares so deeply about how your brain works, how your mind is constantly being transformed. This one person said to me once, we're sitting down and, and she's this amazing um, medical profession, professional and she's getting her master's degree in Surrey. And, and she says, you know, Colby, when we sit down for coffee, you know, you're changing my brain and I'm changing your brain. I was just talking. Like there's that old adage of like, you know, and your, your mom's like, watch out who you're hanging out with because you'll become just like those people, right? There's some truth to that. Because when I hang out with people, when I hang out with Bill or Mark or Jeanette, when I hang out with people, I'm becoming like them. Like they're rewiring my brain to become like them. They're molding me, shaping me. And Peter here is saying is that be careful, be sober-minded, be careful of what you're actually allowing into your thoughts, into your brain, what you're thinking through. Because God cares deeply about your mind because what happens in your mind, the cue, actually ends up as a habit, the will. It says in verse 14, it says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. <laughs> like, don't be conformed to your the past ignorance. You think about the thing that drives you. Like what drives you? Like that's the will. The will is the mechanism that triggers one's desires. It's the motivation for what you desire. It's what drives you. I've heard this analogy before where when we look at, at the will of someone, you know, you think about a car, right? And it's like not just putting a new coat of paint on it, that's just superficial. That's just surface. But it's actually like replacing the engine of that car, the internal workings of it, what actually moves it. Like you might be sitting behind the wheel hitting the gas pedal, but the engine is what fires the pistons and like the engine is what moves your car. See, we look at the faith we have, the will, the desires we have, 
It's like, why do we desire what we desire? In verse 15, it moves on, talks about kind of a Christian's deepest desires. You know what it says here is, but, but as the one who called you is holy, you were also to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, be holy because I'm holy. If you appeal to the Father who judges impartially according to each one's work, you were to conduct yourselves in reverence during time living as strangers. See what he's saying here is that there's an Old Testament book called Leviticus. If you open up your Bibles and just kind of hang, you know, hang a left, go to the very beginning, that's Leviticus. It's this book. And really what God's revealing to, to these people, Israelites, is saying is that I am holy. No one else is like this. The character of God, the uniqueness of God, is that he's not like you and I. Like we're not creating God in our image. God's creating us in him, his image. It actually means to be set apart. Holiness is being set apart. God is not like us. His holiness, his majesty, his otherness is so remarkable that Jesus is completely perfect. He's fully man, but also fully God. See, you want to know what holiness looks like today in 2020 in a pandemic. It looks like this. It looks like love. It looks like people marked by love. People who understand the depth of God's love for them, even in their brokenness and sinfulness. That God sent his son Jesus to, to live and die and rise again to free you, not just from sin, but from yourself. Peter is talking about Jesus' great command in the Gospels. He says here, that love the Lord your God with all your mind, soul, strength, and to love others as yourself. See, when you become a follower of Jesus, love becomes the driver. Love becomes the desire. Love becomes your will. His holiness drives you because you look in the mirror, you realize that you're not like God. When you look in the mirror and you realize you're broken and sinful, you have fears and anxiety, and you come to Jesus and you realize that he loves you regardless of yourself. See, I would love for us, Live Free Church, to be a church that's driven by love. A church that's driven by an incredible, beautiful love that's found only in Jesus. But here's the thing about this love is that when you love God and you love others, it puts you in tension because guess what? People around us are broken also. Actually, the way you love people, it makes you a stranger. And that's what this verse says in verse 18. It says it makes you kind of a stranger, a foreigner in the land because guess what? People that I know aren't loving like this. The self-sacrifice because Christ sacrificed himself for us. It's the way you spend your money, right? It's not saying, this is my money, like this is all my possessions, everything I have. It's actually saying, no, God, this is, you've given me everything and I'm giving it back to you. I'm generous, not just giving to the church. That's, that's a, another point for another day, but it's actually being generous with everything you have. That includes your bank account. That includes your backyard, we're talking about hanging out, social distancing. It means actually inviting people into your backyard to be with you. It means us buying a fire pit so we can have friends over. It means sharing things with people. You see, we want to be a church that's driven not by morality or religious rules. We want to be free from all that because Christ has freed us to be truly who God called us to be. And we want to be a church that's driven by love. 
a church that's driven so deeply by love that we actually meet people in their brokenness when they say, I am at the end of myself. These are the worst moments of life where my community group, or people from Live Free Church get to walk alongside other people in their last moments of their life. Because we want to be a church that's driven by Christ's love for us. And it changes me when people around me are displaying the generosity that, that Christ has been to them. See, it makes you look like a stranger. It makes you generous beyond belief. It makes you look at your fiancé a different way. It makes you look at your job in a different way. It makes you look at the way you parent your kids in a different way. It makes you look at your marriage in a different way. It makes you look at all these different areas, the way you interact with people who are in the church or outside the church in different ways because you've been marked by love. Love becomes the driver in your life. See, God doesn't just want to change your mind and your will, but he also wants to change your heart. You know, I think it's true that it says that, that what you think in your mind will never get you into the kingdom of God until it reaches your heart. Like what, will, what you think in your mind will never ever get you into the kingdom until it reaches your heart. The things that you hold most precious. It says here in verse 19, it says, but with the precious blood of, of Christ, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb, talking about the sacrificial system in the Old Testament. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for you. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. You see, verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb, what Peter's trying to say here is that, that there's something, should be something so precious in your life that's Jesus. That's more precious than anything else in your life. But you want to know what, what your heart holds the most. <laughs> if you want to know what you value the most, is what do you, what do you behold? Because whatever you behold, you become. Like whatever you behold in your life, you're trying to become. Just think about it for a second. There's been scenes in my life where I've tried to become someone else other than myself. I've been trying to become the next great preacher. I've been trying to become, you know, a wealthy person. I've been trying to become all these things, but those are the things I'm beholding. I'm trying to become, and when they get stripped away, I'm just Colby. I think in this pandemic, that's really interesting for us that we're actually in a time where everything is getting stripped away. It's the great equalizer. Because whether you're rich or poor, we're all in the same spot. Stuck at home. Whether you're addicted to traveling or spending money, we're still trapped, stuck at home. You see, whatever you behold, whatever is more precious to you than anything else in the world, that's what you're becoming. And Peter here is saying to these people is that Jesus, his blood is more precious. And that preciousness is talking, it's referring to like to jewels, to gold. Like it's more valuable than anything else you have in your life. Like the, when you think about your life, the stuff you have, the house you have, there's nothing that equates to that. The preciousness of Jesus. I remember years ago, I did this big, huge renovation on my house in Salmon Arm. And uh, I had this great friend who came up and said to me, um, you know, when the, the, 
the kitchen was finally finished and it looked amazing. This Ikea kitchen put, it put, put in her house. And he said, you know what, Colby? Just take a look at it. Like, take a picture in your mind's eye of your kitchen because your kids are going to destroy it. And I was like, thanks, Jeff. That's such a discouraging thing to say. <laughs> and I remember that night I had a dream. And um, I was face-to-face with Jesus. And I'm not saying if I was physically face-to-face with Jesus, but I had this dream that I was talking to Jesus. And he said, here, Colby, I don't care about your kitchen. And I remember I woke up just feeling like so discouraged because that's what I was beholding. That's what consumed my mind for months and months and months was my kitchen. I woke up in the morning, I thought about my stupid kitchen. I went to bed at night thinking about my kitchen. I thought about it because I was beholding it. You see, what he's trying to say here is that any other generation has things that define themselves. I think this generation that we're living in right now, the my generation, millennials and below, aren't defined by things, but, but defined by our identity. You think about people and actually their identity and their sexuality or their identity and who they can become. Like we actually are becoming, we, we've, I, our idolatry is who we are becoming. That's what we're beholding is our identity. But here's the thing what Peter's trying to say is that whatever in your life that you're beholding, you are becoming that exact thing and it's going to leave you alone and fearless. Fearful, sorry. Because Peter's trying to say to people who are suffering, who are broken for their faith, is that whatever you're holding on to, you actually have to have, have an anchor in your life. And that anchor, if it's anything but Jesus, faith and hope in Jesus. So he says here in this end of this passage, in verse 21 here, says, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. That's what he's trying to say here is that you need to have your, your faith and hope anchored in Jesus. It has to make sense in your mind, but it has to actually change your desires and your motivation. It has to actually change your heart, the thing that you hold most precious in your life. I want you to think about these three things as we're kind of wrapping up here. Is in 2020, in a pandemic, I would love for you to engage your mind. You know, go on on YouTube today and actually listen to some Ravi Zacharias talks. You know, if you are skeptical about the faith, that's a great place to start. But someone who's intellectually explaining their faith, why they believe what they believe. This isn't just like, believe it. No, it's actually think through a logical why you believe what you believe. Think through Jesus. Go to the Gospels and read through all of them. I want you to engage your mind. Don't just go on Facebook and, and Instagram and TikTok and just mindlessly spend hours and hours and hours. Like, I would love for us to come out of a pandemic with our minds fully engaged because God cares about what's in our mind, what we're thinking through, the cue that you and I, I don't want us to come out of here out of a pandemic thinking that we're just more addicted to social media than ever before. That we actually can engage our minds, open our Bibles. We can memorize scripture. We can study the word. There's so many tools out there at our disposal. Like we're not, this generation doesn't have a lack of information. They have so much information, but the problem is that we're just consumed by such crap information. Engage people, have conversations with them, people that you don't even agree with. Like start thinking about why you believe what you believe. The second thing is find out what drives you. 
like what's the motivation behind your life? Like why do you do what you do? Why do you work? Why do you spend so much time on Instagram? Like it's the why behind the what. Like why are you doing what you do? Why when you're stuck at home, when I, when I'm stuck at home, why do I feel so isolated and alone? I just want to jump in my car and drive and see people. Because <laughs> maybe deep down in my own life, I feel insecure about who I am. That's the driver maybe for me. But I want you to understand what drives your life. What motivates you? Last thing is I want you to think about what's most precious to you. This is the what. Like what do you behold? What's most precious to you? What has captured your heart? You know, I pray that Live Free Church would be a church that captivates people's minds. Their faith becomes very logical. That it makes sense. We're not just telling people to believe. We're actually telling people to believe because it makes so much sense. That Christianity isn't just, doesn't just, just make sense. It's actually a better way to live your whole life. I pray that we'd actually have the desires of our heart, the will, change because the things that drive us would no longer be fleeting things. But also that Jesus, Jesus, his blood would actually be so precious to us that we're actually not the sum total of our lives, but the sum total of Christ's life. That's the remarkable thing. The gospel isn't you achieving something, it's you receiving Christ's life for you. Let's pray. God, I I thank you for our church. And we want to engage people's minds because you care what we think about. There's cues that are happening right now that that are wiring our brain on a Sunday morning or a Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, Thursday or Friday or Saturday. Lord, I pray that you'd actually would rewire our brain, that we'd actually hold thoughts captive, that we would actually have a renewal of our mind. Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you would change us. That you would actually change us like nothing else. That you change the things that drive us. The will, our desires. That for me, so many of my desires are the wrong thing. And I feel like in this moment right now, those things are being stripped away. And I pray, Lord, I look at you as more precious than anything else in my life. That you become the person that I behold. Then I wake up in the morning, I think about you, Jesus. When I go to bed at night, I think about you, that you're the most precious thing to me more than my bank account, more than my sex life, more than my relationships. Lord, more than anything else, you're the person I behold the most. Jesus, there's people out there who probably are intellectually wondering about you, who maybe haven't put their faith in you, put their faith in and in the object that is you, your salvation, Jesus. And all I'm saying is, Lord, I pray that they would say to you, I'm all in your kingdom, that I'm a broken, sinful person, and I want to follow you for the rest of my life. From this moment on, I want to actually have my, my brain transformed and changed, my will, my desires changed, and my heart, the thing that holds most precious, changed also. God, I thank you for that, that you don't just leave us in our brokenness, but Lord, that you're constantly, tr- slowly transforming and changing us to become more and more like you, to desire the things, holy things, that we love you and that we love other people radically right now in a pandemic because you love us so much. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thanks for listening today. Please subscribe to our podcast. Share with your friends. We would love for you to join our movement. All you have to do is go to livefree.church to join us.